This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. It's our all of staff meeting today. Can you see the excitement? <laughs> uh, I'm sick that day. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be there. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, enjoy that, Sam. And who are we introducing today? Today it is my great pleasure to introduce my friend Reuben Grace. Reuben is a musician, a teacher, a paddler, and the general manager of everything, really. He's the director of all things. (laughs) Um, I've known Reuben for a very long time. He and I travelled to Tauranga and back every day together for a year while we taught at a, a PTE over there. Um, got to know each other really well and I really appreciate Ruben's view of the world um, and his love of his family and um, the things that are important to him should be important to all of us. So it's a pleasure to have you here today, Ruben. Thanks for coming. Welcome, Ruben. It's a, I don't think we've had a director of all things on the show before. You're privileged. <laughs> How, the show's called Blowing Bubbles, so we're still talking about bubbles. How was your bubble life? My bubble life has been uh, up and down. My bubble life Reese, um, last year when everybody went through the pandemic uh, was normal. I was at home for, for a while because I hadn't had a job. So being at home was just normal for me. Uh, my bubble became important because uh, having five adults in the house, including myself, not being allowed to go anywhere, the anxiety levels build, so I was the general director of putting out fires that didn't exist. <laughs> so I spent a lot of time in the garden. Yeah, and I'm and not a gardener at all. <laughs> and setting fire to the garden and then putting that garden that fire out. Then, oh, well, it was the the quiet space that nobody would come to because nobody wants to do anything in the garden and. Uh, I could listen to the radio and just block out the rest of the world, oblivious to what was going on. And Mawira said paddler. Were you able? You weren't able to get out and paddle in the lockdown? Paddler is a loose term. I used to, uh, my family were quite heavily involved in uh, outrigger paddling Wakama for years. It was a, uh, a venue where my children, my wife and I could all do the same thing. Uh, the, the catch being you have to be relatively fit to keep doing it. So I haven't done that for uh, about seven years now, but we keep close contact with the people who do paddle. Uh, We were obsessed about it. Uh, My wife did pretty well. She represented New Zealand. My children did well at national level. 
Uh, I just happened to be the only one in the house that didn't actually win anything, just participated a lot. They need someone big and strong at the back, don't they? Yeah, well, I found that I could fit in the middle, uh, and uh, you need someone that talks a lot, and I was happy to do that. Uh, so if that was the role, then I was happy to do it. Uh, found my feet were in terms of coaching other people, which ties in nicely to being a teacher educator, uh, which I never planned to be. How did that happen? By accident. <laughs> I never, to be honest, I never had a plan at school. I was always going to be a uh, a musician in a band uh, and play around the world. And realised um, you have to actually be really good to get paid, uh, so that didn't work out. Uh, so I wound up being a single dad at 22, three children under the age of three. Uh, my sister-in-law was training to be uh, just finished being a training teacher. Said you can play the guitar, you like music, you should be a music teacher. So I said, oh, that sounds like an idea. So I did that. So did you play music during lockdown? No. I listen to music. Have you played no music? Like, have you no played music like since? Listen. No, my I have actually have four guitars which um, are quite good at collecting dust. Because they don't play themselves. No, and uh, there was a point at university where I became quite serious around the musicianship side. But then, uh, when you're a music teacher, you, it's never about you; it's about somebody else. So your musicianship sort of goes out the window. Let's go to the first of your music choices, Post Malone Circles. Why this one? Mm -hmm. uh, I work at No Lemmings, and this is played on, uh, they have a loop on the TV. <laughs> and when people come in and want to listen to the big sound speaker, that's what gets played. This was your opportunity not to listen to it then. I know, but I'd like to share my joy of this song to everybody else. When we watch, if you ever go into a no leaving store and hear the song, you think of me. When we listen to it, will it like will we be thinking? I need to go and buy a television. That's how my world works. <laughs> when I hear it, I need to sell something.
We actually do need a new television because our Apple TV is coming up to say that it's no longer supporting YouTube that we watch all the time. How annoying oh, is that? It's not good. You need a 75-inch or bigger. <laughs> no, we don't. See, that's the, that's what we're trying. That's that's what's holding us up. We've got this. We want this much space, but if you can't get a smart TV that's small, because to get the smarts you've got to go big. Unless you get a, a Panasonic. Uh, uh, 32 inch which is a smudge okay or tcl so it can be done see i knew i was talking to the right and, person well we've become obsessed to, uh, around tvs wasn't that long ago 32 inch was considered humongous and now everybody has to have something 65 plus or bigger do you think it'll reach a, a maximum or is it because is, it hasn't reached it yet has it no uh i think you can get a 120 inch tv which is around eighty thousand, i think it is uh, no, people will just build houses where the wall oh, is, is the TV. Do people sit looking up at this thing in front of them, or, or are they building giant houses so they can sit a long way away? Building giant houses for people. And then they order three or four TVs for each room. That's just silly. Ruben, one of the things I really admire about you is your, your the way that you deal with people who have got serious barriers to learning and I've seen you working with international learners, I've seen you working with New Zealand based learners who have got serious literacy and numeracy issues, um, every barrier imaginable and you help them overcome them and I see you as being an incredibly imaginative person, do you think it's your imagination applied that helps you to be successful in that space? Ooh, um, purely by accident. I grew up um, not being able to hear properly when I was little, and no one figured that out till uh, I was about my fourth year in primary school. Uh, so I had to figure out what were people trying to say to me, and what do I need to answer back to them without being able to hear or talk to them. Um, and then when I, uh, I think having to figure stuff out by yourself when you're little, if you don't have your dad around. So my dad passed away when I was eight, uh, and my mum suffered with depression for years. So as a young person, I was, well, what do I have to do next? Um, so having to ask other people how to do stuff. And then um, as I went through school, just found that I gravitate to all the ones that would get in trouble. <laughs> and I wouldn't think anything different of it other than they saw the world different and uh, saw things different. Uh, and as a music teacher, the reason I did carry on being a music teacher because I keep getting all the kids that um, would get kicked out of class. So my conversation wasn't stop being music and more about, well, why are they behaving that way? How do I get them to understand their behavior and what impact it has? And then uh, everything has been by accident in my life pretty much. I got a job here in Fakatani purely because... Uh, one of the lecturers I had at university, um, I just happened to be invited to her pohiri down here in Fakatani, and they asked, "Do I what I was doing?" And I said, "I can nothing." 
there's a job here if you want to. Okay, great. Something I never thought of and uh, wound up in student support. So that's kind of the basis of, okay, how do you teach somebody who knows nothing about uh, learning at a, as an adult? Because we don't teach that at school. So how do you? Have conversations about how they see the world first. Um, try and unpack their journey into learning up to that stage and figure out where they want to go and how they want to do that. After you weed through all the challenges they've had in life um, and look at it from a perspective of why is this person different and how do they function. All before I got to university and then found out there's a whole bunch of behavioral theory and you should develop in this way and that way and yeah that's great but uh, if somebody for example if a person doesn't talk pretty hard to find them a job if they're not going to say anything so uh, figuring out what stops them from talking in the first place and that gets to conversations whether it's around their family life uh, trauma they've had as a young person which is usually the case for most people do you think that all little kids have an imagination and is, is, does something go wrong with that? Definitely. Um, we allow our children, if they go to kohanga, preschool, whatever that might look like, um, to be as crazy as the imagination can be and imagine everything they want until they get to primary school and then we have to say, let your imagination start at 9 o'clock and finish at the first break and then uh, it has to start again but after the first break, it has to be written down, and then it has to be something else after lunch. And we trained them very well to become nine-to-five workers, nine-to-five thinkers. That's a good line. Yeah, because I have my grandchildren have just moved in. I have a, a beautiful five-year-old who will run everywhere, has a t- attention span of a flea. Uh, so I feel sorry for that teacher who has to con- try and contain him knowing that he is currently free to do whatever he likes and thinks without being reined in and say, hey, um, you have to sit down while everybody else uh, is on the same page. So in preparing for that world, knowing that when he gets home, how do I continue that imagination before it becomes completely wiped out by school? You're talking about teaching adults to that know nothing about learning. Do you think that adults need teaching again about imagination and about choice? I'm asking more as questions here. Mm. I think for adults, it's more around creating a belief that they can learn something rather than how to learn. To believe uh, and to be able to believe uh, you may have been in this job for 20 years uh, and then you lost your job and they have no other skills going back to, well, what did you want to be when you were five? A lot of people become repressed about that. And, well, I can't tell you that because I don't, I don't know. But it's not too late to go back to that. Oh, it never is. Uh, one of the things I've enjoyed about teaching is I'm obsessed with learning, which doesn't really pay that well, so uh, I have to figure out other stuff. <laughs> Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, kia koutou, kia koutou, We hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. I really hope that wherever you are and whatever thing around this journey all on together to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, the triumph Nate's are, perfect. 
yeah making thank you so as we know we've just been through a very fascinating time together and now very fortunately for us and our turtle in New Zealand we're able to frolic about freely for many of our loved ones around the world they are in various state of lockdown so of course I feel that we must do our best to support each other at all times obviously but particularly at this difficult time and this is a time of transformations a time for us to learn to care for ourselves and each other in new ways and I'm so grateful that we did have that lockdown experience here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And of course, part of the, the magic and power of the show is the fact that we can hear from each other about that experience and how it shifted and changed things for us. Something that I'm so grateful for is that really enabled me to connect with my immediate environment and experience a sense of freedom and creativity based on connecting with and transforming that immediate environment, feeling deep gratitude for that immediate environment, and taking the time to really carefully engage with whatever activities I was undertaking in that immediate environment. And just by making these little shifts in terms of the intensity of my attention to what I was doing, I was able to really enjoy a very peaceful and peace creating experience. So I hope that for you over this time, over the last several months, new behaviours, new strategies have come forward for you and you're able to continue to incorporate them into your daily life. Over this long weekend that we've just enjoyed, I had a wonderful time really connecting with my very wild and overgrown garden here at Tewa Mansion. And as I'm now a solo adventurer here, all these aspects are part of my remit to enjoy. So been a lot of beautiful plants that have been unearthed and will return to the earth and nurture new life to grow. There's been multiple invertebrates and translocated to new areas so they continue to enrich the soil. Now Wahine Atahu at Heihei HQ, is a nine hen which I now have, very kindly have also been participating in this gardening project and through their gardening effort revealed to me that they've been laying this massive stash of eggs under this huge pile of branches that previously was quite impenetrable to a human. So I have multiple eggs to test now and see if they float or if they sink, in which case I can eat them or not. So that's very exciting. But in the midst of this frenzy and excitement of gardening, of course it's now a torrential downpour outside my window, and so I'm going to have to bring my gardening and revolutionizing skills indoors and begin this process in the direction of my floor drobe and attempt to translate it into a wardrobe again. So I will be donating multiple clothing items to Beloved Restore who represent Habitat for Humanity and are an amazing charitable organisation. So I really hope for you that you're getting some time to reconnect with your immediate environment and nurture it. And in this process, feeling a sense of calm, feeling a sense of freedom, feeling a sense of choice, feeling a sense of creativity, feeling an appreciation for the beauty that's around you, that you have put in place around you, this environment that you've created for yourself. And I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Reuben Grace. Ruben, if you were given the opportunity to speak to the parents of the adults that you've worked with while they still had little children, what advice would you give them 
to to sort of stave off those problems that appear in adulthood for learners. Do parents with especially preschool children? My advice is you are the first teacher. Whatever you teach them at home is is vital to their learning. So if you're not going to read to them or teach them how to hold a pen or type a word, uh, you're, uh, you're giving ownership of their learning to somebody else. School should be a place where they reinforce what they learn at home rather than the other way around. So if you're learning rubbish at home, uh, the school's not going to enforce that, so you're going to have a challenge with children wanting to engage in learning in the first place. That's become more important to me. I, I, I'm not a first language speaker in Tereo. My grandchildren now. I made it a conscious decision that my children would go to uh, Kura Kaupapa and learning to be a teacher, realizing unless you make those important steps at home, you fail your children before they even get to school. So part of what we are now implementing at home is we have karakia before they go to bed. Uh, so five and six-year-old, um, they're in charge of how that process works. So uh, they decide who's going to run our PPH session at night time. All in today, uh, we have a karakia. It doesn't have to be any particular karakia, uh, but it gives them permission to uh, be in a position of influence over adults. So they have a healthy respect as they grow up. Um, but then they choose who gets to go next. And then we can share experiences around. After everybody explains, does their PPH, um, it, it can be boring because you're saying the same thing night to night out, but it becomes a behavior and a, a moment as a family where they expect that to happen every night. So, so while you we have are you learning Tereo from your kids? Um, I made a conscious choice to start that journey about four or five years ago, uh, which has surprised my children because two of them are quite fluent. Uh, so when I, I had grandchildren, I made a conscious effort. I will speak to them in Tereo as much as I can. Uh, so they look at me sideways sometimes. You know, I didn't know you could speak that well. Uh, so if I want to ensure the language, first language of my grandchildren, I have to get off my butt and learn it myself because it uh, doesn't matter how many social changes that we make as a country to uh, increase the proficiency in te reo, it's still up to Māori to take ownership and continue to carry that language, not a school. That self-responsibility has been something which we've all had to do during the pandemic. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not up to somebody else to be kind. We have to be kind. Yeah. And, and not just be kind to other people. One of the things we've realised that it's about being kind to yourself as well. Yeah, and that was a, probably a really big eye-opener during COVID for me because uh, after that, my mental health diminished dramatically um, because I had a chance to reflect uh, I don't fit into a mold of anything in particular uh, 
I didn't have a clear, precise direction in life uh, and, and not being able to provide financially for my family was hard to swallow after two years. Uh, and then uh, you get mentally unwell if your bubble becomes stale and you don't contribute to anything outside of yourself other than yourself at home. So I, I created habits where uh, everybody would go to work or study, so I'd pretend I was getting up to be busy, and then as soon as they left, I'd sit on the couch and enjoy Netflix for eight hours until someone came home. Uh, and if you do that every day, you become quite obese, can't really do anything, and then eventually you have to get support to roll off the couch and get up. Uh, so was it good? It's that um, that notion of well-being. Again, it's it's not about other people. It's about us. Yeah. But it's about the the way you view yourself, the way you t your inner voice talks about what you do as soon as you wake up. Did you have a terrible dream? Oh, no, the world's going to end. Instead of, oh, great, another day. What are we going to do today? How do I contribute to the well-being of my family? How do I contribute to the well-being of someone else? Let's take ACDC back in black. Why this one? This was my, I think it would have been about 16, 17. Uh, and I went to a boarding school. So whatever music someone bought in the album, that got thrashed. And this album and um, Guns N' Roses was played every single day. Uh, and back in black just reminds me of that those times with uh, when you're in a, our body school wasn't that flash. You're in a big room of 40 Maori adolescent boys with all the hormones going crazy uh, and you listen to that as you go to sleep.
That would indeed certainly wake you up, though. Wouldn't be much sleeping with that playing. No. Well, I mean, we didn't sleep. <laughs> Eventually, everybody was singing the song while we were all lying in bed, and uh, the brother that was looking after us would have to come in and tell us to shut up. <laughs> we have seen lots of changes in society in the last year what do you think is going to stick and perhaps more importantly what do you hope will stick um i wish and i hope would stick is the sense of um connection covid made everybody reconnect to everybody else whether they wanted to or not uh we had the privilege of being such a small country uh, we became paranoid about washing hands and wearing masks. Imagine if we became paranoid about positive stuff, like everybody didn't go to jail and everybody did well and didn't have to go to drugs or alcohol. Um, what I did enjoy was um, people were forced to have conversations because they were home all the time. I had more conversations with my children than I would have had in the last 10 years because one, they were stuck at home, and two, they couldn't talk to anybody else. Um, and I enjoyed uh, getting to a level of conversation with my own children where they would start asking questions I wish they'd asked before. Because when you run out of stuff to talk about, um, you start asking about, your, well, my children what my father was like, what my mother was like, or what is, uh, what my childhood was like. Uh, and then they get to reflect back and think how lucky they are now, as I do uh, when I think about my, my parents' upbringing. Uh, I still kick myself. I can't believe where I am and what I have, uh, where I didn't plan for any of it, but it is what it is, and I enjoy it so much. I really like that. Imagine if we became paranoid about the positive stuff. What do you think we could have to do, have to change to make that happen? Change um, the one thing I, I hate about our country, the school system. We, we, we can change our society if we put as much energy into our education as we did as rugby or as, as sailing on million dollar yachts because it's so important to everybody else to wear red socks to support rich people. Um, yeah, what we teach in school has will have a major impact on the generations to come. But lots of it is like they you're talking about the the level of questions that that you got to with the with your family. Yeah. Why weren't we doing that before? Not your family in particular, but you know that seems such a positive thing. And yeah, that's a like a a good thing. Well, Why did it take a pandemic to make that happen? Uh. I think we've, we've 
moved into such a, a way as our country has, where get your job, get your education, go have your family, save your deposit with KiwiSaver, buy your house, uh, and then as you're doing your nine to five, come home, become really paranoid because you're tired, you haven't caught up with your kids, uh, but you have to go to bed anyway and go back to work. There's no time to do that anymore unless you force yourself to do it. And that's where parents play a big important role in leadership at home. You have to make those memories happen consistently or they don't. And hopefully the pandemic, as so many people have described it as a reset, is an opportunity for us to identify those sorts of things and perhaps do something about it, maybe not as society as a whole, but as you said before, the society is made up of made up of families. So maybe that's the message that we need to get out to to families is is those ideas. Well, yeah, for families to figure out what principles for us, we talk about tikkun a lot. There's a um, Māori te reo me ona tikanga. Our language and our practices are important. We usually get caught, confused with uh, te reo me na tikanga. See the language and the principles, rather than what are your principles and how do you uh, enforce those principles. Well, not enforce, but make those principles important enough where they become tikanga, practices at home. So if you practice being a good person with your children and teaching them to deal with um, different situations. And that was one of the conversations I had with my children. Why do we have pepeha every morning, uh, every night? I said, so we can build resilience in our young people. So they used to be able to talk, to, talk about anything and they can feel safe at home being able to discuss questions that they might not get uh, to ask at school or anywhere in general. Because maybe you say practice being a good person, maybe it takes practice. But yeah, you can't, you don't pop out into the world and, yeah, I'm going to be a good person. You pop out into the world and get influenced by uh, people who look after you privately and then whoever you engage with as you get older. The more experiences you have as a family creates that bond, I believe, uh, which is something I kind of lost with my children being one, a single dad, studying full-time, uh, and then becoming a robot around, okay, get up, have breakfast, go to school, come back, get change, have dinner, let's do that for four or five years and hopefully um, you still believe I'm your father afterwards. We were talking last week about a learner that, that I assessed um, for the Bachelor of Leadership for Change who was looking at the fact that he's, I don't know, about 30 and has been automated out of about five, six jobs in his career so far, the, the jobs that he's been doing have been um, been replaced not by you know humanoid robots, but by computing systems that are, are doing the 
the, the same thing, but that, that link to us being the automaton robots in that society anyway, in terms of how we're behaving, is, is another angle to that that just adds to that story. So I'm just putting that down. What lessons do you think we can take from the the pandemic and the pandemic response for those longer term sorts of questions intergenerational ones of social injustice and climate change and so on um lessons i believe we should uh, be looking at is how do we build resilience in the generations coming ahead uh, how can we ensure they have a practiced mindset that allows them to adapt and change and not be set with, okay, I'm going to be a uh, a forestry worker for 40 years and then, uh, and then decide I'm going to retire from that rather than I'm going to be a productive person and do what I can. If I can't get the job I want, then I have the patience and the humbleness to do something else in the meantime to carry on rather than uh, when I I think when I first met my widow she was we were working with long-term unemployed who'd been so long on the benefit they didn't believe they could do anything else so it was hard to uh, get through to them that you need to remind yourself um, you can do something else you don't have to be where you are uh, but because they've become so ingrained in their tikanga, their belief, their practice, it's hard for them to change. Even if we could get them a job, a lot of them wouldn't move. And that's part of the resi resilience. And the tikanga I hope to instill in my grandchildren is home is not the house. Home is your family, where you are. Make do with the situation you have and then prepare to do something else if you need to so resilience in that sense is not about being some sort of being staunch and not changing it is about being flexible but still maintaining some sense of self yeah uh, it's a it's a process where you have to figure out uh, where is a happy place for you and how to get there and practicing staying there because once you get there it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to stay there forever I have some questions to end the show with oops and not very much time so we should have to be quick what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years um that's a hard one Biggest success I've had is uh, being in the position as a father myself to being where I can provide some guidance and direction by example uh, and I can support my children who uh, are struggling to transition to becoming uh, adults themselves. I believe it's hard for children to switch off that mode and realize your parents, as you get older, aren't going to be your mummy or daddy forever. 
there's a point where you're going to have to have a conversation or relationship with your parents where you're an adult rather than because uh, my middle son moved away and he, every time he'd come home he'd revert back to being our son instead of um, you're 26 now you can be yourself you don't have to ask me anything permission you don't have to uh, get our advice about whether you can do something how about what are you doing today what do you think we should be doing? We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in the team of such people. What is the superpower that's got you into our mansion? Um, ooh. I had a superpower. It would be... Uh, be ordinary. Be ordinary. Okay, you're going to have to explain that one. Well, don't try and be something you're not. But just be comfortable with who you are. Um, and if you fit in, you fit in. If you don't, that's uh, not your problem. <laughs> Move on. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um... I think so. I don't consciously want to be, <laughs> uh, but I've gotten old enough where if people disagree with my beliefs, uh, I don't get upset. I just want to figure out why. Um, but if they persist on being stupid, then I will be an activist. <laughs> so what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, at the moment, um, enjoying being a dad. Because uh, most of the time, when I, I as I said, I, I was a single dad for about ten years, so I didn't actually get to enjoy having time a, as a father about creating moments. Didn't have any money, so uh, we did a lot of free stuff. And goes back to the imagination, uh, creating ideas with your children for years. Uh, we had a. Uh, we lived up in Auckland, and the council there built a park. And for years, I told them that I had paid somebody to build a park for them. So they'd go to the park thinking, "This is our park," and get into fights with other kids. And, You're not allowed on here. Why? This is my dad built this. <laughs> uh, so that's the kind of message I want to live, leave with my children: make the most of the situation you have, and create the stories you want to be, to have fun. And lastly, what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Um, watching my mum grow old and the challenges she's going to go through. My my brother is also having the same challenges with his in-laws uh, and accepting that she is getting older um, and she's slowing down so biggest challenge for us is this I have two other brothers I'm the only one that lives in New Zealand uh, and I'm aware that I'll be the primary caregiver when the time comes I won't be the best primary caregiver uh, if I was paid to be a primary caregiver they'd hire somebody else <laughs> thank you for that 
Ruben, thank you for joining with us today. Um, I have long admired your parenting philosophy and your teaching philosophy and you've been a huge influence in my life and I'm really thankful for uh, all that you do for all those around you. Kia ora. Kia ora. been listening to blowing bubbles positive conversations with people in their bubbles their safe spaces around the world brought to you by the sustainable lens team which is brought to you by otago polytechnic we're broadcast on otago access radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz you can find us on facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we had a contribution today from tahu mckenzie this is katrina and the waves walking on sunshine I'm Samuel Manasoyas Bay Dunedin with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani with Ruben Grace also in Fakatani. We hope you enjoyed the show.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.